KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem, Yerushalayim. www.kimitzion.org Having a new week. Today is Monday. As on every Monday, today's shiur will be the shiur in the mitzvah ashavuit, the weekly mitzvah, Harav Binyamin Tavori. Last week we read Parashat Vayetzei, and because of technical problems, this shear did not go out on time. Although this week is Parashat Vayishlach, I would still like to relate to the mitzvah of Parashat Vayetzei, inasmuch as the mitzvah really is the shear by itself, the fact that we're using the last week's parasha is not that major a problem. When Yaakov came to Haran, or actually on his way to Haran, Yaakov stopped and went to sleep. And the Torah says, And he woke up after his dream, and he said, I really did not understand where I was sleeping. And he said, had I known, according to Rashi, had I known what a makom kadosh this would be, I would not have gone to sleep. The Torah Shlema brings a medrash to explain why Yaakov would not go to sleep and said, even in a shul, even in a bet knesset, one should not go to sleep. And this place apparently has the sanctity, the Kedusha, somewhat similar to a base HaKnesses. The Medrash, also quoted in Torah Shlema, explains further that in that dream, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed Yaakov the base HaMikdash when it was built, when it was Charev, and then when it will be rebuilt. And they explain the psukim, the words of the psukim, and bring psukim from Tanakh to show that there is an allusion from these words to those different situations. Manora, makom manora, is referring to the Beis HaMikdash when it's extant, when it's in its building, when it is there. But then he showed him also the tragedy of the Churban Beit HaMikdash, when there is no Beit HaMikdash. But then he showed him again the place of the Beit HaMikdash as it is rebuilt. Rav Moshe HaDarshan went even further and said that Yaakov Vayira Vayomar, Yaakov indeed trembled with fear because he realized that he had slept in a place where sleeping was not permitted, and he said that he transgressed the mitzvah of Mikdashi Tiro, of awe of the Mikdash. Of course, as the name of the author implies, Rav Moshe Hadarshan, we could relate to this as pure drush. It's a beautiful idea to say that in some sense Yaakov realized the 
sanctity, the kedusha of the place, and didn't want to go to sleep. But to say there is a halakhic element involved, Mikdushay Tiro seems to be a little bit of a stretch because there is no Beit HaMikdash before. We have a tradition that Yaakov, indeed all the others, kept the Torah even before it was given. Therefore, many questions have been raised how they did this mitzvah, how they did that mitzvah. Specifically, the question was asked about Yaakov, how he could marry two sisters, and therefore there are many answers and many discussions about this. In fact, the Sefer Parashas Drachim of the Mishnah Melech deals with all kinds of pirushim uh, to explain how the Avos kept the Torah and all kinds of halachic references in the Sefer Bereshis. So one could argue and say, well, the Yaakov kept Mikdashi Tiro, or was afraid that he did not observe the Mikdashi Tiro, based on the future that the base of Mikdash would be built there, but actually now there is no halachic Kedusha to the place. The tradition that Yaakov, or all the others, kept the entire Torah, is based on the assumption that there was a meaning towards fulfilling mitzvahs even before they were given. Although the Torah was given in Sinai, and for example, the mitzvah of tzitzis was given in Sinai, somehow there's nashma'ut, there's meaning to the idea of wearing tzitzis even without the chiyuv, the obligation. As long as one was aware that there are certain, there is such a mitzvah, then there is a kiyum ha-mitzvah in doing that particular mitzvah, even though actually it had not been commanded. In a certain sense, that would be akin to the idea of people who are Potter from a mitzvah, doing a mitzvah when they are not obligated. For example, a, a woman fulfilling a mitzvah from which she is potter, for example, hearing shofar in Rosh Hashanah, or a woman sitting in the sukkah or taking a lulav on sukkahs, all that would also be a mitzvah, although she is not commanded. Of course, the difference is the mitzvah was given to Klai Yisrael, but not to women at that time. But nevertheless, we see from here that a woman who fulfills the mitzvah even without a tzivoy, without a, a commandment, receives a reward for a mitzvah. There is meaning to fulfilling a mitzvah even without the chiyuv to do the mitzvah. And we could say in somewhat of a similar sense that the others kept the entire Torah before they were given. However, this concept would seem to relate to a mitzvah, as I said, which has some sort of meaning at that time. A mitzvah that's based on some historical or phenomena that it's developed through history would be more difficult to understand why the others would do it before that historical phenomena took place. For example, this is not the topic of the Shi'ur today, but if we would say the others kept the mitzvah of Yishuv Yisrael, we would have to raise the issue, what is this specific mitzvah of Yishuv Yisrael? What's the idea of coming to Eretz Yisrael? The answer could be simply that Eretz Yisrael is Makom Kadosh, Eretz Yisrael is holy. Halachic Kadosh of Eretz Yisrael did not exist before Yoshua entered Eretz Yisrael. Whether we pass in Kadosh Rishona, Kadosh Kitshel Shata, Velo Kitshel Lasvlava, or Kitshel Lasvlava, and the same would be by Kadosh Shnia. The, that phrase means the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael came about through the Kedusha of Yoshua. And there is a machlokas, there's a tremendous controversy, if that Kedusha that Yoshua 
put brought to Eretz Yisrael or endowed Eretz Yisrael with that Kedusha, if that Kedusha is permanent and lasts forever, or no, it was indeed dissipated at the time of the Churban, at the time when Bnei Yisrael left Eretz Yisrael. Or the Gemara then will discuss the second Kedusha, the time when Ezra came into Eretz Yisrael and sanctified Eretz Yisrael, was Mekadesh Eretz Yisrael, if that Kedusha is permanent. Whether we determine that Kedusha is temporary, transient, or permanent, is irrelevant to my basic point. The basic point is that the Halachic Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael did not exist before the Yoshua or before Ezra were Mekadesh Eretz Yisrael. I, I would even suggest a, a different idea, that to, to say you would wear tzitzis or put a, perhaps put on tefillin or hear shofar and Rosh Hashanah or eat matzah before the Torah was given might have some sort of a, a, a significance. But a mitzvah that's purely based upon a historical event, for example, the mitzvahs to Rabbanan, the mitzvah, for example, of, of reading the Megillah and Purim, Let's assume that Avram somehow, or Yitzchak, or somehow knew the idea that Purim would be in the future. Let's uh, assume that somehow they intuited, they knew, or HaKadosh Baruch Hu told them, or however they would know the concept of Purim. But would there really be a mashma'ut, would there really be a meaning to read Megillah's Esther before the story happened, before the event occurred in actual history? The, that question... I think is something that requires analysis and another at another time, another place perhaps. But however, my issue right now is to say that Yaakov was worried that he did not fulfill the mitzvah of the Mikdashi Tiro when there is no Mikdash at the, at the present time seems rather far-fetched. There's no Mikdash in existence. How could it possibly be that a person would be involved in Mikdash Tira when the Mikdash and assumedly the Kedusha of the Mikdash did not come about yet? Therefore, this Shiur will address itself to the issue of the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash not at the time of the Beis HaMikdash, but after the Churban Beis HaMikdash, in other words, Bizman Hazeh, and then we will relate it to the concept of any possible Kedusha existing even before the Beis HaMikdash was built. To discuss the issue of whether there's Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash after the Churban is, of course, a source of dispute between the Rambam and the Ravid, a very well-known Machlokas. The Rambam says in Hilchas Beis HaBchira, Perek Vav, Halacha Yudalit, he's referring to the Mikdash and the city of the Mikdash, Yerushalayim. How did it attain its Kedusha? The Kedusha that Shlomo HaMalach was Mikdash, the area, entire Yerushalayim, the Kedusha's place of Mikdash. We could discuss at another time why the Rambam used Shlomo as the example and not David, but the Kedusha came about, according to the Rambam, from Shlomo, the Kedusha of Yerushalayim, and the Kedusha of Mikdash. Then the Rambam says in one of his most famous statements, Lefichach, Makrivim Kabonos, Kulam, Avapish, Encham Baisbanui. According to the Rambam, the problem of having not, of not having a base of Mikdash does not preclude us from being makri of kabanas, from having sacrifices. There might be other problems of having kabanas bizman hazeh, and there's a great world of literature about that topic, but the Ramam is referring specifically to this era, to this issue. The fact that there's no Beis HaMikdash would not preclude kabanas bizman hazeh. 
Elchim Kachay Kadashim Bukhalazara. Even the Kachay Kadashim of the Karban could be eaten today. Because he says, even though it's Kharev, even though there's no building, but the Kedusha is permanent. There are no walls, there's no building, but nevertheless the Ram says, HaKedusha Rishona Kitsha Lashat HaVikitsha Lasalavo. The Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash was Mitkadesh at that time and forever. The Rambam says in an interesting comment, very rarely does the Rambam give his own explanations for his halacha. But here in Halacha Tazayin, Hilchos Beis Habechira, Perek Vav, Halacha Tazayin, the Rambam says, V'lama ani yomer b'amikdash v'yushalam kidusha v'yushalam kidusha l'shato v'kidusha l'shalavau? Why do I really pask in that way? Why do we say that the Gedusha of Yushalayim once it became Kadosh, will, retain, will remain eternally Kadosh. And the Rambam did not pass in that vis-a-vis Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, the Rambam passed in that the Kedusha of Yoshua evaporated, dissipated, upon the Churban of the, when Bnei Yisrael went to Galus. The Rambam passed that the Kedusha Shniya of Ezra, that Kedusha will remain permanent, does remain permanent, is Kadosh B'zman But the Kedusha of Yoshua could disappear. So why did we say the Kedusha Rishon of Yoshua disappeared, but the Kedusha Rishon of of the Beis HaMikdash is eternal. The Rambam says, because the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash is Kedusha HaShchina. It's Kedusha actually because of the Divine Presence, because of the Shechina. Ushchina in a And the Shechina can never become bottled, can never become evaporated. That Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash, which came about through the Shechina, can never disappear. And the Rambam brings a source text. The Rambam says, the Pasuk says, V'harei ha'omer v'ashimosi as Mikdashechem. The Pasuk that God threatens Vahashimosi as Mikdashem. I will destroy the Baisa Mikdash, more than one Baisa Mikdash, the plural. Mikdashem and Mikdashim Shalachem, your Bate Mikdash will be destroyed. The Rambam says, the Amu Chachamin, the Rambam quotes Chazal, Afa Pisha Shimumim, Biklushasam Himondim. Even though they are destroyed, they retain their Kedusha. The Rambam's source text seems somewhat problematic. Vashimosis Mikdashechem simply means I will destroy the Beis HaMikdash. How do you see from there that the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed but yet retains its Kedusha? Many Achronim raise this question and try to explain how this source somehow implies that the Kedusha of Yushayim is permanent. I would like to suggest a theory based on another source completely, in a sense, we're going to go off on a tangent of something not to do at all with what we're discussing, but I'll relate the two issues later. In Sefer Shmos, in the Parsha of Shmos, it says that Bnei Yisrael suffered greatly, and then it said, In those days, the king died. We all remember from childhood that Chazal explained the king really did not die. But he became a leper. Mitzora. And he took blood baths, baths with blood which he, they drew from Jewish children. And of course, it is somewhat difficult to understand why Chazal explained the Pasuk that way. It said in Chumash, the king died. The king died means the king died. Why do Chazal reinterpret and say the king indeed did not die, but he became a leper? It is said in the name of the Vilna Gaon that somehow there's a 
direct statement in the Pasuk, if one has the correct eyes to read, and the correct understanding to read, the Pasuk says directly that the king did not die. The Gra is quoted as having quoted the Pasuk in Kohelet, Ein Shulton Biyamamavit. There's no such thing as kingdom on the day of death. The phrase that's well known in English, the king is dead, long live the king. Monarchy does not continue past death. Once the king is dead, the new king is the royalty, is the ruler of that monarchy. The Grass said in Tanakh, the phrase should be Meit HaMelech. Meit HaMelech or Vayamot HaMelech seems to mean the same thing. But according to this idea, in the name of the Gra, there's a big difference. Meit HaMelech means he died and he's still king. HaMelech, Meit, would be the king was king. Meit, and then he died. And then there's a new king. And here, the Pasuk says, Vayamot Melech Mitzrayim. He died, the king. How could he be king after he died? So Chazal were aware that there are four types of people that are considered dead in Jewish law. And each one, three of the four, could be ruled out in our particular case. One of the four people who is considered dead in Halacha, in the world of Drush, is a blind person. The exact ramifications of blindness in Halacha are very important. Rabbi Lichtenstein once wrote an article about the laws of a blind person in Halacha in general. There is an opinion that he's putter of mitzvahs completely. But he, according to Chazal, uh, an either a person is a blind person is chash of kemes. But the king here in question could not have been blind because the Torah says many times that he saw Moshe, Moshe visit him, and he saw Moshe, and he will see this, and he will see that. So obviously he wasn't blind. A person who has no children, in a certain sense, is also considered kemes, and we know the king did have children. Because it says, The king had a, a firstborn son. The other person who may be considered somewhat as a dead person is a poor person. A king, by definition, the head of the government, certainly was not poor. The only other choice is, we know that a leper is considered meis. When Aaron pleaded with Moshe to plead with God to cure Miriam, who became afflicted with leprosy, he said, do not let her be like a dead person. In a certain sense, a leper, a metzora, is chash of kemes. Therefore, Chazal felt there was no other choice. All three, the other three were wiped out, therefore the only possibility is the king became a leper. This idea that's known in the name of the Gra, to see where the verb and the noun go, in which and that itself can imply pshat, may be used to explain our Rambam. 
The Pasuk could have said, as Mikdash Eichem Hashameim, I will destroy the Mikdash, or the Mikdash will be destroyed. If the Torah had said, as Mikdash Eichem Hashameim, the Mikdash will be destroyed, one could posit that after the Mikdash is destroyed, it no longer has the Kedusha. But if the Pasuk says, Vashimoti at Mikdash Eichem, it will be destroyed, the Mikdash, perhaps we could learn exactly in the Pasuk, it will be destroyed, and yet somehow it retains the Kedusha of the Mikdash. This idea, in a very brief form, was actually suggested by the Aruch Lener. Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, in his Perush Nivanas Davav, suggested this interpretation. However, he rejected it because of other sources in Tanakh where he questioned whether this diuk, this precise uh, look at the language that we indicated, is indeed valid in other places of Chumash. He learned that really from the words as Mikdashechem, Vashimas as Mikdashechem, we really cannot prove that the Kedush of the Beis HaMikdash will remain. But he suggested that the rest of the Pasuk might be the source really of the Rambam. In, in that phrase we would say, uh, the main point is missing from the text. But nevertheless, Rabbi Yaakov Atlinger pointed out, what does it say there? I will destroy the Beis HaMikdash, and therefore we will never, no longer have that special aura, that special odor of the, of the, of the Kabanos. The Reyach Nicholach will not, will no longer be there. The, uh, the Aruch said, said, if you cannot be Makrev Kabanos, if you're really not allowed to be Makrev Kabanos, if there's no Beis HaMikdash, then it's uh, extraneous to say that V'lo Ariach B'Reyach Nicholchem, if there's no Karban, there's no Reyach Nicholach. He suggested that perhaps, according to the Rambam, the Beis HaMikdash could be rebuilt. And I'm sorry, even if it's not rebuilt, would have re- retained the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash and really, theoretically, you could be Makuv Kabanus, but nevertheless, the Torah continues, somehow something will be missing from the carbon. So, be that as it may, from where we deduce it, the Rambam learns the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash will be permanent. The Ravid is well known to have disagreed with this Rambam. But the Ravid in question is rather problematic what he means exactly. After first arguing and bringing some texts that seem to refute the position of the Rambam, the Ravid at the end makes this famous enigmatic statement, Somehow it was told to me, a secret, uh, that uh, somehow God revealed to me that I know that uh, this Rambam is not the correct opinion. And then he adds those words at the end, a person who walks into the base, to the area of the Beis HaMikdash today is no longer Chayef Kares. It seems that according to the Rambam, since the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash is permanent, a person who would enter the area of the Mikdash in an improper state would be um, guilty of a terrible uh, Avera, which is indeed punishable by Karet. The Ravid says today there's no Karet because I do not agree with the Rambam that the Kedusha is intact. Many Achronim point out that according to the Ravid, it's difficult to understand his position, exactly what does he mean, because he should have said, he could have said, if there's no Kedusha uh, at all today of the Beis HaMikdash, then it would be Mutter. 
it's allowed to go into the place of the Beis HaMikdash. And the Ravid did not say that. The Ravid said, you're not Chayav Kares. And that led to a great literature. Did the Ravid really think that there is some sort of a, an Isser yet today, or at least a bitter say, some sort of a, a transgression of a mitzvah to go into the, to the place of the Mikdash even today, perhaps the Ravid meant it's an Isidur Rabbanan. Perhaps he thought there's only rabbinic ordinance that one cannot walk into Beis HaMikdash. That itself is a question what the Ravid really meant. It, it, it is important to point out that the Ravid said, is not But he did not say that it's really mutter to walk into the, to the place. The bottom line is that the Rambam says the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash is permanent, forever. Once it was built, it was forever. However, the Ravid somehow disagrees exactly what his position and I said it is, is really that, not that clear. We talked about the myths of the Kedusha of the Mikdash, of the fact of the Kedusha of the Mikdash. But there's at least one other, and perhaps more than one other mitzvah that we really should relate to, and that is the law of Mora Mikdash. The awe that a person should have in the place of the Mikdash. The, the Rambam in Perek Zion, exactly the, a few halachas after the halacha that we mentioned, the Rambam says, there's a mitzvah, I say, there's a mitzvah, I say, it's a positive mitzvah, to have awe from the base of Mikdash. And the Rambam adds a very famous comment as well, of course, we're not in awe of the building. The building is only a building. But we're in awe of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who commanded us to have awe of this of this mikdash, and the Rambam then goes on for a few halachas to explain exactly how must one deport himself in the makam mikdash. A person should be aware he shouldn't can't walk in with shoes and he can't carry a certain type of a cane and etc. Uh, etc. Et but the Rambam that we need comes in halacha zayin, and the Rambam says Afapisha mikdash hayom even though Nebuch today, because of our own sins, we believe in every generation that Beis HaMikdash is not rebuilt, it's the fault of the people of that generation as well. Even though the Beis HaMikdash is Charev, the law of Mora Mikdash applies today as it applied when the Beis HaMikdash was standing. At first glance, this seems to be obvious according to the Rambam. Since we passed in the Kedusha of the Mikdash, is permanent. Therefore, Moa Mikdash should also be permanent. But yet, the Rambam feels it necessary to quote a source. And the Rambam says, He quotes the Pasuk in Kedoshim, which has a juxtaposition of Shabbos and Mikdash. The same way that the Kedusha of Shabbos is permanent and one the laws of Shabbos are eternal, so are the laws of the Beis HaMikdash eternal. And the Rambam goes on to say that you are not allowed, whatever you were not allowed to do when the base of Megish was built, you are not allowed to do. And the Rambam adds the words, Because the Kedusha is permanent. If the Kedusha is permanent, I asked before, why does the Rambam have to quote a Pasuk that Moab Mikdash applies today? The answer seems to be, that one could distinguish between the law of having the Beis HaMikdash, the laws which are based upon the Beis HaMikdash being built, 
and Mara Mikdash. Perhaps the Kedusha of the place would be permanent. But we might have thought that Mora Mikdash, the law of awe of the Beis Mikdash, might really be dependent upon the fact that it exists. The building is, in fact, extant. The Kedusha might be extant, but is the mitzvah of Mora based upon the Kedusha of the place, or is it based on the physical presence of the Beis Mikdash? For example, there's a third mitzvah. There's a mitzvah called Shmiras Mikdash, a mitzvah of guarding the Mikdash, of having some sort of an honor guard of the Mikdash. A few years ago, there was a movement in Eretz Yisrael to discuss the mitzvah of Shmiras Mikdash Bismanazeh. In fact, a certain attempt was made to have at least some semblance of a fulfillment of a kiyum of that particular mitzvah. Reb Chaim Simeman, one of the greatest geniuses of Torah in the last generation, wrote a whole sefer called Agrali Yisharim. And that sefer, a great part of that sefer, deals with the mitzvah of Shmiras Mikdash to try to explain why we should do it Bisman Hazeh. But... In the, the Rambam does not say there's Shmiras Mikdash Bismanazeh. There's no clear, clear place in the, in the Rambam that I know of where he says the mitzvah of Shmiras Mikdash would apply. And one could th- very well posit that the mitzvah, according to the Rambam, of the Kedusha of the Mikdash is in effect today. Mora Mikdash, that mitzvah is also in effect today. But one might say Shmiras Mikdash, the laws of guarding the Mikdash, may refer to the building of the Beis HaMikdash. And inasmuch as there is no building where Davoneinu, Bavoneinu, there is no Beis HaMikdash Bizman Hazer. So therefore, maybe the mitzvah Shmiras Mikdash will not apply according to the Rambam. Therefore, one could have argued the mitzvah of Mora Mikdash may not also apply. The Rambam says, no, that I learned from a Pasuk. I learned from the juxtaposition of Shabbos to Mikdash, Ma Shabbos Olam, Af Mikdash Olam. That, and then the bottom line would be that although there was a Havra Mino that, that, mitz, that mitzvah of Mora Mikdash would not apply, but nevertheless, the Pasuk that told me that Mora Mikdash applies is because of the, shows that it's because of the Kedushas HaMikdash and not because of the, of the, uh, of the bias being built in, in, in effect. Interesting to note is the Ravid did not disagree with this Rambam. The Ravid kept quiet. There's a major discussion what we can prove from the fact that the Ravid did not disagree. Many, there are many Rambams in Mishnah Torah where the Rambam has said a, brought his position which seems to be rather strange and a unique position among Rishonim. And we would see, we would think automatically the Ravid must uh, disagree tremendously with that particular Rambam. But many times we do not find the Ravid arguing even on a position that seems very very uh, questionable. And perhaps uh, the Ravid did not write his work systematically, but he wrote, made odd comments when he felt like making comment. But it would be difficult to assume that whenever the Ravid was silent, he agreed with the Rambam. That, that is an issue by itself, which obviously is not the time to go into now. But here, in this particular case, we could suggest that the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam, this, and the Rambam, the Ravid would be akin to what he said in the case of the Mokam Amigdash, there is no Kedusha, at least there is not a full Kedusha, and therefore perhaps the Ravid here would also disagree and say Mora Mikdash would not apply. However, one might argue that the Ravid did not disagree, and perhaps the Ravid did agree with the Rambam. And here we would have an interesting idea. The Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash might not really be extant, 
at least to its full degree, according to the Ravid. But nevertheless, the mitzvah of Morim Mikdash would apply almost the opposite of what I suggested according to the Rambam. According to the Rambam, I suggested that perhaps the Kedusha of the Mikdash would be there, but the Din of Morim Mikdash might not apply. And now I'm suggesting that according to the Ravid, perhaps the Kedusha does not apply, but yet Morim Mikdash would apply. And then we would suggest that the concept of Morim Mikdash is not based upon the Kedusha of the, of the place, but the mitzvah of Moran Mikdash would be based upon the Hashras Hashchina in that place. Rav Weiss in Minchas Asher has suggested this approach, that Hashras Hashchina means God's presence on the level of that of the Mikdash. In a sense, God's presence is all over the world. But nevertheless, we say there's unique places of Ashras HaShchina where somehow the Shechina is felt in a more significant fashion. Eimei Hashem Elokech means HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Shechina is felt in a certain place in more in a greater sense, in a deeper sense, than in other places. The Hashras HaShchina of the Mikdash, that level of Hashras HaShchina, of the div- feeling the Divine Presence in a specific area, which, of course, Avram was the first to realize, Bahar Hashem when he brought, when he went to the Akedah and he said, I realize this is Har Hashem Yehroah, and Yaakov came, coming to that place, to what we call Har Hamoria, and Yaakov feeling that Hashras Hashchina, which perhaps came at this time to Yaakov, perhaps was preceded at the time of Avram, that Hashras Hashchina might be eternal. And even though the Kedushas HaMikdash might not be there in a halachic sense, but the mitzvah of Mora Mikdash, the mitzvah of having that unique awe for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, the place where, of Hashras HaShchina, might have been felt by Yaakov as well. And therefore we could understand the concept of Rav Moshe HaDarshan, that when they came to that place, Yaakov says, not that he felt the Beis HaMikdash was built. Perhaps HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him the image of the Beis HaMikdash, as one Madrash implies. But even if he hadn't seen the, the actual building of the Beis HaMikdash, but once he realized this is the Makam Hashras Hashchina, therefore the Mitzvah of Moram Mikdash might really apply here.